we start today's message, we are in our third week of a grief series. We're going through a series called Finding the Good in Grief. Basically, that's based off of a book, one of the books that I've been using as a resource material. Um, Can we find good in grief? And I think that we can. I think that as we talk about these particular uh, five subjects that we want to look at, that we can find that there is some good in grief. While um, we've said thus far that grief is inevitable. Grief is is inevitable. It's a journey we must all go on. Even as we started this series, there's some of those here in our congregation are folks that we know, right? They're going through the valley of grief. And can I remind you too this morning that grief is not just about the loss of a loved one, but it can, it can be the loss of most anything. Amen? It can be the loss of your job, the, the law, a change in your schedule, changing your routine, being an empty nester, going through health problems. There can be a lot of things that you can grieve about. We've also said that grief is personal and there's a process to grief. But can I also remind you as we talk about there's a process and as you'll hear in just a few minutes about the different stages of grief, it's not a linear process. It's not a step one, step two, step three, step four, right? You might, uh, someone you know who's grieving, you, they might be stuck in anger for a little while, you, you might have gone through that stage really quick. You might have gone from step one to step four. It, it's not linear. It doesn't go one, two, three, and four. Amen? There is a process. We've talked about how grief requires us to keep walking with Jesus. We've said that the grieving process takes time and it takes trust. And that as we grieve, we have to trust God and lean on others. Today I want to talk on the subject of choosing reality instead of an illusion. Choosing reality instead of an illusion. If we allow ourselves to live in the illusions of denial, escape, or fantasy, we stray from the pathway of healing. With God's help, we can face reality. Live in the truth, adapt to our losses, even in the midst of their devastation. As we've mentioned, one of the sources that I have used and referenced on our sermon series page on the website, BibleFellowshipSumter.com. I encourage you to go there. There are books. There are two counselors here in town. There's some things that you can download. So whether it's you or you want to share that with someone who may be grieving, feel free to send them that way. But one of the books that I have uh, been recommended by some counseling friends of mine is Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Five Stages of Grief. And she says that there are five stages of grief. That there's denial, there's anger, there's bargaining, there's depression... And there's acceptance. So like I mentioned, you know, someone you know, they might go from denial to being in depression. And they might be depressed for quite a while. And then in that depression, they might begin to bargain. They might begin to be angry. So all of these things can be experienced either as a package or individually. We assume by refusing to acknowledge it. What is it? That's the loss in our life. 
So by we assume by refusing to acknowledge it, the loss in our life, that we are protected from its implications. Right? Denial softens the blow and postpones for a time the overwhelming pain and devastating change in a person's life that comes with loss. As such, denial can be a temporary blessing. Right? So you might be going through something, your friend might be going through something, and they might be in denial that it it has not happened. This is not true. And they may find some relief in, in telling themselves that. But we have to remember what? That it is a temporary blessing. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you do when tragedy strikes? What do you do, you, now not looking around the room, but what do you do when tragedy strikes? What do you do when you experience a loss? Do you do what the ostrich does? You know what an ostrich does? They bury their head in the sand. Is that, is that you? So listen, an ostrich does not make danger go away by simply burying its head in the sand. And neither can you and I. Now listen, honestly, that's not a very good illustration. The ostrich burying its head in the sand is not a good illustration. Why? Well, it's an illusion. And and sometimes when I'm preparing messages like this, I don't see all the threads. I don't see everything coming together. I'm reading and I'm praying. I'm reading God's word. I'm reading these resources. And I'm like, okay, God, I got this and I got this. And then there's this, and I love it when it happens, there's this kind of aha moment that the Holy Spirit just kind of helps you see that this is how it fits together. And so we're talking today about choosing reality over an illusion. What is an illusion? An illusion is something that is or is likely to be wrongly perceived or interpreted by our senses. It's a false idea or belief. That's what an illusion is. An ostrich burying its head in the sand is not fact. It's an illusion. It's a falsehood that we've wrongly perceived. Now... I don't know if you chase squirrels or chase rabbits while you study your Bible. I do. So I said, well, what do you mean? That's not what happens. So then I started reading about ostriches. I mean, who would have thought preparing a message on grief, I would be reading about ostriches. But I did. And here's what I learned. Why? Well, first off, an ostrich wouldn't bury its head in the sand because it couldn't breathe. It wouldn't be able to breathe. And why one of the largest birds, or the largest bird, two-legged bird, why would it bury its head when it's the fastest bird around? It could run anywhere between 30 and 40 miles per hour for 10 miles. So if it felt afraid, it could probably outrun most predators, right? But as I began to read and as I began to study, what's really happening is... That when the ostrich has laid eggs, that they will cover them and they will stick their head beneath the sand to adjust and to check on their eggs. 
So from there, that's where the illusion, that's where the falsehood has come from that ostriches bury their head in the sands. But they couldn't. They're checking on their babies. But then, as I read about ostriches, and hang with me for a minute, because I'm going to make a parallel. As I read about ostriches, it says when they're afraid that they put their head on the ground and they get low. They put their head on the ground, they get low in their body. And so friends, can I remind you this morning, and I've told you this time and time again, when you're afraid, when you're scared, when you just don't know how you're going to make it, get as low as you can, as fast as you can. Right, that may simply mean just kneeling beside your bed, getting down and putting your head down and just praying. It's been said that we stand tallest on our knees. So friends, like the ostrich, when you're scared, when you're lonely, when you don't know what's coming next and and don't know how you're going to make it, get as low as you can, as fast as you can. Just get low. Get low before the Lord and do as the psalmist. Pour out your hearts to Him. Tell Him what you're really thinking. Tell Him what you're really feeling. He can take it. We see from the psalmist, and I'm so thankful that God allowed me to see this. They didn't hold back. Right? They let it go. They didn't come to the Lord with pleasantries and, uh, you know talk in some King James language as I've heard men of God do as they pray, right? It's like, whoa, buddy, there's reverence before the Lord. But like you, your tone changes, your, your voice changes, your vocabulary changes. That's not what God wants. If you're a child of the risen King, he just, he wants to hear his child's voice. He wants you to be open. He wants you to be honest with him. He can take it. To pour out your hearts to Him. So what do we know about grief from the Bible? What do we know about grief from the Bible? Well, we're going to look at two quick verses this morning. We're going to look at Isaiah 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Old Testament, right after Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah. Rather large book. Isaiah 41, verse 10. We're told this. says, Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, in times of grief, in times of loss, in times of unknown, don't choose an illusion. Don't choose what your emotions are telling you because your emotions are wrong. Your heart is wrong. Look to the Lord. Jeremiah says, the heart is wicked above all things and who can know it? So when you say, and I've done it, I'm guilty of it. I stand before you this morning and say that I had to go and ask forgiveness because I used old adage, well, I was just sharing what was on my heart. Right? But that doesn't mean that your heart, that doesn't mean that your emotions are right. 
But you've got to do what Isaiah says and you've got to, instead of choosing to, to find hope in an illusion, find hope by looking to the Lord. Fear not, for I am with you. It doesn't say I'm with him or I'm with her. It says with you. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Not their God, but your God. I will strengthen who? You. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then I want you to see over in the Gospels, Gospel of John. Turn over to John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We see the healing at the pool on the Sabbath. And so I want to look at one verse. I want us to look at verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? What? What a, what a question, right? People talk about, and we see in scriptures that what the Pharisees and those others, they ask God, they ask Jesus questions. And what did he typically do to them? He turned around and he asked them questions right back. But here in this passage, we see him ask the man who's blind and uh, who's lame. And it says, do you want to be healed? So this morning, my challenge to you is, Choose reality instead of an illusion. Don't believe what may be a falsehood. Don't believe what may not be true. But choose reality. And in this moment, as Jesus asked him this, listen, verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up. Take up your bed and walk. Verse 9. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. So as you walk through grief, sometimes you're going to have to get up. You can't stay and wallow in what is happening. And I'm not saying that if you are experiencing depression, that something is wrong. People in today's world want to say, well, if you're depressed, you just don't have enough faith. If you're depressed, you got sin in your life. Can I tell you something? And I've told you this in the last year that I've been with you. That it's what the church does not talk about that it's people struggle with the most. And mental illness, depression is real. doesn't matter whether you're a child of God or someone who's lost and going to hell. It is something that is real. And you can't just look at somebody and say, well, brother, so-and-so, sister, so-and-so, you just got sin in your life. I've heard people saying that when somebody gets cancer. Now, how untrue is that? That you're going to look at somebody who just found out they have cancer and say, oh, buddy, you got sin in your life. Seriously? And then we wonder why people don't want to come to church. We wonder why people don't want to be around quote-unquote Christians. Because you never have anything good to share with. You, we have good news. It's the gospel. Amen. And so we don't, we, we, doesn't mean we got a lot of people. We can tell them the truth. We can tell them the truth in love. But we also, where's the encouragement? Where's the love that Jesus had for us? Where's the forgiveness that the Lord forgave us? It says for, for as much as you've been forgiven, forgive others. 
I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven of a whole lot. And sometimes the Lord has to stop me in my tracks and say, whoa, hold up. Remember this? Paul had a thorn. I have a thorn in the flesh. It humbles me. It reminds me exactly how far the Lord has brought me. Amen? So when you see those times, choose reality. Choose to trust and obey. Choose to look to the Lord instead of looking to yourself. I was reading a story in in one of the books I was reading and it talked about a woman who was battling terminal cancer. She went to the doctor and she found out she had cancer. She was distraught. She didn't call anybody to take her home, but she drove home herself. She doesn't even remember how she got home. And as they talked about in the story, she's not really surprised. She doesn't understand how she even got there, how she got home safely. Her husband came home and she began to share with him. Spent some time together. And then they invited their pastor. And their pastor came over. And as they talked about this, you know, when you have times like that, when you have loss, when you have those big, heavy moments that are kind of turning points in your life, it's not a time to make major decisions. But the pastor said, it is a time to pray. It is a time to pray. He didn't have answers. He couldn't explain why she had terminal cancer. But it's a time to pray. That reminds me of the serenity prayer. You might have heard it. You might have said it yourself. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. AA has adopted that. Celebrate Recovery has adopted that. Other people who don't even believe have adopted that. So the word serenity can mean a uh, mean being in a state of tranquility, being in a state of calm. And it's like a calm after the storm in which there was no more wind and no more storms. It's a state of peacefulness, of stillness. Or quietness. Listen. The purpose of this prayer was to bring the Christian into a state of peace. Amidst the storms of life. And to have the wisdom to accept those things that were unchangeable. And to know which things a believer could change. And to know the difference between the two. I don't know about you, but I've heard that. But there's also another portion of the serenity prayer as well. It goes on saying this. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right as I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen.
So let me ask you this morning. Have you ever felt powerless? Have you ever felt powerless? I see some noddings of heads. Listen. The emotion of powerlessness reminds us that we are human beings and not God. Emotional healing and constructive action are virtually impossible as long as the reality of a serious problem goes unrecognized and unacknowledged. You see, friends, we have to choose reality instead of an illusion. We have to face the facts and pour out our hearts to our Heavenly Fathers. As I told you before, just like that ostrich, when they fear, when they are afraid, they put their heads down and they get low to the ground. Can I tell you, a part of being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is not walking around with your chest puffed out. Look at me. I'm a Christian. But it's about being humble. It's about humility. It's about getting as low as I can, as often as I can. It's about putting others before self. It's about knowing that it's better to give than to receive. It's modeling Jesus' words to go. To go. Y'all come. Y'all come every Sunday morning. But do you go? Do you go? You might give, praise God, $98,000 budget, twenty dollars to $21,000 goes to the foreign mission field. But are you loving and serving your neighbor? Are you loving and serving your neighbor? Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we've quoted over and over again in these last three weeks, God comforts us so that we may comfort others. God has brought you through some valleys that no one else in here understands. And God is oh so good that as we begin to share our story, and you can't share your story. Can I take a Paul's time out? You, you can't get to know people on Sunday morning. 11 a.m., you can't get to know people. Why? Because you are like this. Everybody is facing this way. You might know the person to the left of you, and you might know the person to the right of you. Right? We're in rows. We're focused on the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. But are we finding a time to find community? And that simply looks like just coming together and saying, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for the two of y'all? Because as I've told you over and over again, as Andy Stanley says, and I believe in my heart, in my mind, that circles are better than roads. This is a small circle right here. Amen? But doesn't it change? It changes from when we're like this to where when we're looking at each other, when we're pouring out our hearts, how we can pray, we're building confidence, we're building trust in one another, things change, amen? It changes when we serve together. I've seen it, the small group that I led in the fall. We raised money, 
We took that money to Conway. And I said, hey, this is a crazy idea. But instead of meeting tonight, how about y'all go with me and we run that money down there? So for an hour and a half there, we delivered and we toured and we saw and we prayed and we encouraged. Then we went and sat around the table and we ate dinner and we laughed and we enjoyed each other's company. And then I look at Miss Mary and we safely made it back because the door didn't slide open. She doesn't like the van, our van door. It just randomly opens sometimes. So she won't sit on that side. But see, she didn't know that until she got in the van, right? But then we rode back with one another and we got to know one another. We got to learn about one another. We got to serve together. We got to see each other a little bit differently than just the back of their head. There are times when we're grieving that we're consumed with the tor- we're consumed with torturing ourselves with what ifs, accusations, self-blame, and we become emotionally and spiritually paralyzed. Oftentimes we can become the victim. And honestly, sometimes that's an illusion too. Right? Sometimes we are really indeed the victim. There are things that happen to us that we cannot control, and we are the victim. But other times we play the victim. We, we use that card. And listen, can I tell you this this morning? When we choose to live as victims, we do not look, look within ourselves for solutions. The difficult spiritual work Our share of the healing process is left undone because we're constantly looking outward for some type of rescue. I don't know about you, but when you've experienced grief, when you've experienced loss, when you've experienced pain in your life, don't wallow. You might for a time or season, but don't wallow. Because looking outward will never be your rescue. We must look up. As you go through grief, avoid isolation and loneliness by reaching out to others. Sometimes you want to be alone. And that's okay. But friends, can I lean in this morning and just tell you, don't stay there. Don't stay there. And friends and family, can I remind you something as well? Sometimes a simple text can make all the difference in the world. You know why I like preaching series? I like preaching series because it's amazing what God can show you as you talk about a certain subject for several weeks. But it also generates conversations amongst the body of Christ. And as I've been preaching this series, one of y'all came up to me and said, listen, as I went through a loss in my life, just simply getting a text occasionally from a friend that said, I'm thinking of you, meant all the difference in the world. I'm thinking of you. How long does it take to shoot a text? How long does it take to shoot a Facebook message? How long does it take to drop something in the mail? I'm thinking of you. Let them know. Let them know that you care. And can I give you a word of caution this morning too? 
Don't take it personal when you reach out and don't get an open door. Don't take it personal when you reach out and don't get an open door. But friends, you have to be open to learning new things. A couple that we know, Mark and Lisa Christmas, we asked for prayer for them a few weeks ago. They lost their son in a tragic accident. It's been about a month now. When their process of going to their funeral and and just saying, how can Kendall and I minister to them? How could we love them? How could we encourage them? I said, okay, well, why don't we invite them to a baseball game? Why don't we invite them to a Fireflies game? Right? So I just reached out one week and I said, because I learned something from my friend, they said, just say you're thinking about you. And I did that. But then they were still on my mind. They were still on my heart. So about a week and a half later, I just said, hey, in the coming weeks, if you're interested, Kendall and I'd love to take you to a baseball game just to have a night out. And I saw that they read it and I didn't get a response. But then guess what? I got a response a couple days later and it said, look, We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about us. It wasn't about the offer. It's about where they are. So I just leaned back in and I said, the offer stands. Now I know how to specifically pray for you. Right? We're here. Whether you want to come and have a meal, we'll just talk over a barbecue. I don't know, but you just got to plant those seeds. And don't be offended when they don't jump right on it. As we close this morning, I want to ask you, what verses of Scripture or lines from hymns or songs do you recall and find helpful in times of trouble? And unknowns in your life. When you're afraid. What verses of scripture. What lines from hymns or songs. Do you recall. What what do you find comfort in. Can I remind you this morning. Don't run. Don't run. There's no such thing as long term. Geographical cure for grief. Because we take our heartaches with us. Wherever we go. Right. Don't run. Friends, choose reality instead of an illusion that you've made up in your mind or that the enemy has whispered into your heart and soul. Trust God. Lean on others. Keep walking day by day, one step at a time. We mentioned hymns and songs, and as I began to write that down, one came to mind for me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And when the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. When you're scared, when you're lonely, when you just don't know how you're going to make it, find comfort. That's why we sing songs, amen? It's not just to sing because we that's what we do in the service, but it, we're planting truth so that one day when you're walking through that valley, you're going to wake up and as you're walking, you're just going to start, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Where did that come from? 
It's in your heart. It's in your soul. It's in your mind. But then find truths of His Word. We gave you a few a couple weeks ago. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. How do you get to know somebody? You extend trust. I mean, you fully trust them all the time? Maybe not. Are you going to be hurt along the way? Yes. That's with friends, but can I tell you what? That also happens with the Lord. Right? Trust is built. You have to extend it. A next step. Okay, God, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give this to you. I'm just going to give this little piece to you. We should give it to them all. Yeah, sure, but come on. Some of us, let's just be honest. Let's be real. Let's give them a little piece. Right? Say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. As we close this morning, I'm thankful for the conversations I hear. I get asked different things. Thank you for the little notes and the things you write on your Connect card. How I can pray. Things that I need to be praying about. Next steps that you're taking. But I also get asked questions. Why don't we have, when we do a song or hymn, why don't we have an altar call? Well, we kind of do in a a sense, but we don't. And here's why. First off, this morning we didn't make it to that song, amen? But that's okay. But with the numbers that we have, it's not like you have a whole sanctuary full of people. So if people were to come forward, can they really have that anonymity and time to share. It's a little tough, right? So as I've mentioned time and time again, I'm available. You can text me. You can call me. Or you can do what even our visitors have done. And that is to grab me after church and just say, hey, will you pray about this? There's one young man who's visited several times. He said, will you pray that I'll stay out of trouble And that I'll find a new job. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, when you're afraid and you think, oh my God, somebody's going to see me talking to the pastor. They're going to think I got trouble in my life. Man, they could be telling me some kind of recipe or something. I don't know. Be telling me I should go try some new dessert. You don't know what they're telling me. Mind your business and keep on moving. But listen, I'm here. I'm available. I'll pray with you. So just because we don't necessarily have an altar call per se, we do. Because I'm calling and challenging you to certain things. I'm challenging you to take next steps towards Jesus. And can I remind you of something I see so often. I'm going from closing to preaching a whole other message, but I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. There are too many people in this world today who think this. They think that because they have done this number right here, they sit in the very back, And because they did this number right here, that they have walked an aisle and they've come and talked to a pastor, that that is what saved them. Far, oh, preacher, I walked an aisle. Good for you. It is not walking an aisle that saves you. It's walking to Jesus. It's looking to him and saying, Father, I realize my need for you. I realize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Because walking that aisle will not save you. There is no sinner's prayer. The only sinner prayers we see is in the Bible. I think it's in Acts. He says, Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. 
There's no model. You could you hear people say, "Well, repeat after me." Okay, that's a model, but even that doesn't save you. It's a matter of the heart, and it's a matter of you looking to the Lord. Amen. All that to say, I love you guys. I hope that you'll continue to take next steps. I hope you'll continue to seek the Lord. I hope you'll continue to invite. I hope you will continue to just take what you've taken here, what we've learned here, and not just, oh man, I know so much more than I used to know. No. Man, take something you learn and share it. If you heard a nugget of truth, it ain't me, it's the Lord, I can tell you. Because I read back over some of my messages and I'm like, how did I string that together? I have no clue. That's you, God, not me. Pass it on. Go to somebody and tell them, hey, trust God. You can lean on me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Take a verse of scripture. Share it with somebody. But don't be like the people that I've heard. Because this generation does not want people that come along the side of them and say, well, honey, you just hang in there. God's got his way. You just be patient. You pray a little bit more. If you think the Bible is really where there's truth and that's the source of our truth, then you take them to there and you say, listen, this encouraged me. Let me let me read Psalm 121. I underlined in my Bible. I never heard that, but my pastor preached that. And man, the Lord spoke to me. Where does my help come from? My help comes to the Lord, the maker of the heavens and earth. Keep looking up. Right in your Bible. Hashtag keep looking up. Keep looking up. Underline things. Because you're not going to remember it all, but take them and show them. Amen. Let me pray. We're going to dismiss. Thank God Miss Betsy's here to play us out. It was awkward last week, Miss Betsy, when you weren't here because nobody knew what to do. It was like, do we leave or not? So thank you for being here. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you that, uh, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Thank you that you're not through with us yet, Lord, that we just need to continue to take steps towards you and with you to love and to serve our neighbors around us, that we may be some light and truth and hope. We might be the only Bible they ever see. And so, Father, I pray this week that we would get as low as we can as often as we can, to put others before self, to give better than to receive. Father, have your way. Bring us back at the next appointed time. Be with those that are hurting. Be with those that are traveling. Be with those that are experiencing heartache. Lord, we pray that they would realize your presence and realize your love for them. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.